Hi, everybody. Great to have you with us. Happy holidays. It is the college football bowl season. Hope you're enjoying it as we're off to a rousing beginning. And you've come to the right place as we welcome all of you once again to Strong as Steel, the top, the very best college football podcast that you're going to get anywhere. We invite you to let uh, everybody that you know as your college football friends about us as this gives you the opportunity to stay locked in. Now, last week we did the first 21 bowl games of this 2016-17 college football season, and we're ready to go again today. 14 more to take us through the New Year's Six Bowl games. And that, of course, includes the college football playoff. I'm Michael Regai. Great to have you along. Pleased to be joined, as always, by uh, the man who sets everything in motion at philsteel.com with Phil Steele's college football preview inside the press box and a whole lot more. The one, the only, Phil Steele. Happy holidays, my man. How are you? Hey, I am doing great, Michael. We're just treading into the bowls. We got a whole bunch left, and uh, we're going to cover all the big boys today, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to get to the big boys is right. So as we said, the New Year's Six will be coming up, the orange, the rose, the sugar, and the cotton. And then, of course, the uh, the two college football playoff semis, the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Alabama at Washington, and a fiesta out in Glendale, Arizona, Clemson, and Ohio State. Here's how you get on board. 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. You can also tweet at the show if you care to. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, always does a fabulous job and taking care of you on Twitter and making sure that social media is right up to speed. So without further ado, Phil, uh, I, I, well, first of all, how's your confidence pool going, Mr. Steele? How you faring in the Phil Steele confidence pool? Uh, doing okay. I got a lot of the, uh, a lot of my plays, the bigger plays are the bigger games. So uh, we're going to be covering a lot of those games that I've got higher on the confidence level coming up. So I'm, I'm pretty confident it'll do pretty well. Yeah, yeah, me too. I feel the same way. All right, let's get rolling. Uh, we went right up through December 27th. So, Phil, let's start at December 28th in Yankee Stadium, the fabled Yankee Stadium in the Bronx of New York City, a battle between the uh, the ACC and the Big Ten. Pitts Panthers with James Conner and that tremendous offense against Northwestern. Phil, I, who do you think has the edge in this one? Well, you know, when I, when I look at it offensively, there's no doubt you go with Pitt. Uh, Nathan Peterman's having a fine year throwing the football. And then, of course, James Conner this year just got over the 1,000-yard barrier in the last game of the season. Uh, teamed with Quadri Henderson, however, the two have got over 1,500 yards. And uh, Pitt is averaging 5.4 yards per carry this year. Now, defensively, you got to give the edge to Northwestern. In fact, believe it or not, uh, Pat Narduzzi defense. Remember all the great defenses he had at Michigan State? Here he's the head man. Yeah. His defenses are giving their opponents 58 yards above their season average, which is remarkable. Now, they're strong against the run. They're only giving up 3.4 yards per carry. But against the pass, how about 343 yards per game, 64% completion. So now your question is, can Clayton Thorson attack that pass defense? Because Thorson on the year hitting 58% with a 21-8 ratio. I think he'll have some success here. Austin Carr might be the best receiver in the Big Ten this season. He was the best guy uh, statistically. They've got Justin Jackson. Uh, I think the confidence level of Northwestern is going to be de- depend on how much they can throw the ball in a very vulnerable Pittsburgh pass defense. Now, the edges I give to Pitt are on the offensive line. The site, I think they'll have a little bit of a crowd edge, and the special teams. They have my number 26 special teams against the number 112. Defensively, I give most of the edges to Northwestern. I like Pitt to win the game, but uh, the spread is up there at 5.5. Uh, I'm thinking Northwestern could keep this one closer than the 5.5. All right. So I like Pitt in this one, uh, absolutely. I think that offense has been phenomenal. Pat Narduzzi, you're right, normally a defensive guy, but he's been really, really good. Okay, some of you, I, I know you want Phil to break down the bowl game that's of great interest to you. Uh, again, 646-668-2248. Let's go to the uh, state of Indiana, where the Hoosiers are playing in a bowl game this year against Utah. Here's Jeff. Hey, Jeff, happy holidays. Welcome to Strongest Steel. How you doing? 
Hey, thanks, Michael. I'm well. Happy holidays, fellas. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to get your quick take on Indiana-Utah. Uh, the Hoosiers booted Coach Kevin Wilson uh, here a couple weeks back, which, you know, I know there's a lot going on around the program, but he was, he was doing a good job turning it around. Uh, think that has any effect on the kids, or who do you like? All right, appreciate the call there. And, uh, you know, when I look at this matchup, I do think that the coaching change will have somewhat of an effect. Tom Allen's the the good thing is they don't have an interim head coach. Tom Allen's a new head man, so that is always a big plus. But Houston had the same benefit going for him against San Diego State, and that didn't seem to work. I think there's probably a little bit of uh, doubt creeping in the players' minds about, you know, what's going on. But, uh, you know, you look at Indiana this year, they played the big boys tough. They have done that for the last two years, and now they're playing a big boy because Utah's a team that, you know, you wonder what their what their mindset's going to be as well coming in because if you go back prior to that Washington game, they're thinking national championship. Then after they lost to Washington, they're thinking Rose Bowl. Now that they've lost to Oregon and Colorado in their last two games, here they are in the Foster Farms Bowl. So you wonder what, what kind of level they're going to be playing at. But I think uh, the big factor they have going for them is Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham is 9-1 and one in bowl games. He's got the weapons on offense. Troy Williams became a better passer as the year went on. And they've got Joe Williams in the backfield defensively. They have the edge. Uh, I know they've given up a few more yards, but they're holding opponents to 25 yards below their season average. They've got one of the best defensive lines in college football. And Richard Lego has been prone to the interceptions this year, 16 interceptions by Lego. So I think Utah's the better team uh, with the stronger defensive front. I think they control the line of scrimmage in this one. I like the Utes to win this one by more than the touchdown. Appreciate the call. Yeah, Jeff, thank you very much on that. And again, yeah, there's your Foster Farms Bowl. And uh, we're going to go through each and every one of them. Now, again, we'll get down to the, the New Year's Six Bowls a little bit later on in the show. You can jump on board, 646-668-2248. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna, great to have you with us. We have uh, just been exploding with your help. Here on Strong as Steel, and of course, uh, here on Blog Talk Radio, and you can also catch our show on iTunes whenever you want it as well. So that's something to keep in mind as the week uh, goes on after we're here live on Blog Talk Radio. All right, let's uh, let's uh, swing uh, our way uh, into the New Year's Six because we'll uh, we'll we'll let you guys uh, have a go with that. Uh, the Rose Bowl, of course, Penn State against USC. Tommy. Here's Tommy on the show. Hi, Tom. Welcome. Happy holidays. What you have for us? Hello, Tommy. Are you there? Yes. Sorry about that, gentlemen. Had a little uh, phone issue. But it's all right. Go I'm right ahead. I'm actually going to be heading out. Thank you. Thank you. I'm actually heading out to Pasadena this uh, coming New Year's Day, or I guess the day after. I'm not going out there for a 10-7 game, Phil. I'm seeing both teams grading pretty high and wanted to know what your thoughts were if Penn State can win that one in a shootout. Yeah, and I think the key here, you know, when you when you watch the two teams this year, Tommy, appreciate the call as always. Uh, you know, early in the year, USC had some problems defending the pass. Uh, even go back to the California game, they gave up 333 yards. But they've got a lot of quality talent in the secondary. And when you watch Penn State, their final two games of the season, uh, you look at that game against Michigan State. Uh, it was only ten; they only had ten points at the half, 125 yards. In the second half, they started throwing a lot of 50-50 balls up down the field. And Godwin, Gasecki, Hamilton—they were answering their call and, and calling in the big plays, 40-50-yard passes. Same thing happened against Wisconsin. 14 points at the half. Second half, they started throwing the ball deep. A lot of 50-50 balls got answered with big plays, and they won that game 38-31. to I don't know if you take that same strategy with the Dory Jackson and company back there for USC, because if you do, it might end up giving yourself a, a pick six the other way with the Dory Jackson running in the end zone. Now, USC offensively, ever since they switched to Sam Darnold, they've had a different offense. Uh, they've got the weapon at running back and a receiver among the best in the country. Uh, and these two teams are the two hottest teams entering the Bulls. Uh, both are playing at the highest average game grade over the last three games. But I'm going to go with the, the more talented team here, USC, and I think they're going to be able to avoid those 50-50 balls. So the Trojans right now, I do think there will be some points on the board, but right now they're laying less than a touchdown. So I like USC to win this one by a touchdown or more. Appreciate the call. 
Yeah, we do appreciate that call, and we appreciate uh, your hanging with us. I made a little technical tweaks here early in the show, uh, strong as steel. Uh, the holiday season, of course. Great to have you with us, everybody. Michael Regai uh, alongside uh, Phil Steele as we continue through these uh, about 21 bowl games. We did 21 last week, and we've got 21 more to go. Um, Jimmy, i tell you what. Jim Nabasa, you jump in here, as we said, because on Twitter – uh, you guys have the opportunity to get Phil's thoughts and see how he assesses games that you are very interested in. Jimmy, go ahead. What do we have for, from the, the world of Twitter this week on Strong as Steel? We will start with Mountain Miles, who says the last time West Virginia met Mark Rick, they started fast and finished with 11 wins. Can they do the same thing versus Miami? Uh, you know, when I look at this matchup, you have a West Virginia team that's very underrated. I mean, they're ten and two, uh, but not highly ranked in the polls. And uh, you know, I think they're going to come into this game with a chip on their shoulder. They have run the football a lot better this year with Crawford and Shell and McCoy. Skylar Howard's been a much more consistent QB, and they've got weapons of receiver: Shelton Gibson, Dekeel Shorts. A couple guys can take it to the house anytime they touch the ball. And defensively, they played really good in the first seven games of the year. Over the last five games of the year, not so much. They're giving up about 480 yards per game over that stretch. Uh, when I look at Miami, I see a team that got banged up about midseason, and that's when they played the toughest part of their schedule. Florida State, North Carolina, at Virginia Tech, at Notre Dame, four losses. But they've bounced back since then. They whipped Pitt, who we talked about earlier, beat a bowl team in NC State on the road, and uh, Virginia and Duke. I think their offensive line's playing better. They've got one of one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and Brad Kaya hasn't had quite the year everyone expected, but a very good year. They've got Walton Yearby and Edwards uh, at running back, and defensively, that's where the edge is. They're giving up about 100 yards per game less. 3.5 yards per carry versus 4.4, and their secondary playing a lot better as well. So when uh, my computer looks at this one and adds it all up, it's got Miami winning this one by a touchdown. I'm a little wary of West Virginia just because I feel they're underrated, but uh, I'm going to side with my computer in this one and take Miami to win it by about a touchdown. Appreciate the tweet. Mike Torres. Uh, hey, Jimmy, I'm, I'm just going to – I like West Virginia in this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the other way so we can have a, a little fun with the Miami-West Virginia game. Go ahead, Jimmy. Mike Torres has a question on the Air Force versus South Alabama game. Phil, what do you think about this large spread? It looks like it opened at 15 and is down to 13 and a half. Well, a lot of times your uh, big bowl underdogs do extremely well in these games. Now, it hasn't opened up that way so far this year. We've seen a couple of big bowl favorites win convincingly like uh, – yesterday uh and then of course uh, earlier when tulsa blew out central michigan so you might see it start trending back up but uh when i look at the two teams i think talent wise you, you clearly give the edge to air force they've played better all season long they're in the tougher conference they played the better schedule they've got the better special teams in fact they have my number 19 rated special teams south alabama number 76 i give them the edge of quarterback running back offensive line defensive line coaching their their coach has been in eight bowls and also the site i think is going to be a little bit of a benefit you'll see more falcons here but the reason that i would lean with south alabama plus the heavy number here is how they've played as an underdog this year south alabama has actually uh beaten some teams like mississippi state and they knocked off san diego state earlier this year in a large underdog role air force one and six is a double digit favorite this year been upset three times San Diego, or excuse me, South Alabama, three and one against the spread as a double-digit dog, beating those two teams I mentioned. They also have a, the edge in the receiving core and the secondary. So, and it all up, I think Air Force wins the game, uh, but I'm going to go with South Alabama plus the, uh, the two touchdowns in this one, and I think they keep it closer than expected. Mike Hayes has a two-parter for you. He says, "What is your take on the K-State versus A&M game?" and the South Carolina versus USF game. I am leaning towards the SEC in both of them. Is that a good idea? Well, the South Carolina one, yeah, you have a large underdog SEC team to USF. And you match these two teams up offensively, 
And USF's got the triplets there. They've got Quentin Flowers at quarterback. They've got Marlon Mack at running back. And they've got Rodney Adams at receiver. All three of these guys, exceptional athletes. They have a potent offense. They have a large edge on the offensive line. Their offensive line averages six point, has paved the way for 6.7 yards per carry and allowed 14 sacks. South Carolina's offensive line, 3.8 yards per carry, 36 sacks. South Carolina's got their emerging triplets of themselves, though. They went with Jake Bentley, the true freshman quarterback mid-year, and he's been playing better in the second half of the year. Uh, Rico Dowdell, at running back, once again, emerged in the second half of the year, finished strong with 714 yards. And Debo Samuel emerged in the second half of the year. I think that when you look at those three in the future, they're going to be some big names in college football. And defensively, you have to give the edge of South Carolina, a slight edge on the defensive line and linebacker and the edge of DB as well. Of course, their coach, uh, Muschamp, has been in bowls before. Uh, T.J. Weist it was the interim head coach at Connecticut, uh, but uh, he uh, a couple years ago back in 2013, but here he's going to be the interim head coach for this game. I think the site favors South Carolina a little bit, and you got the fact that an SEC team is a big dog, a double-digit dog in this game. They've also, of course, played the tougher schedule. So I think these two teams are fairly even, and the fact that South Carolina is actually getting double digits in this one, I'm going to agree with you on South Carolina, and we're going to limit it to one game per Twitter question so me and Michael can touch on some of these. (laughs) That's a great executive decision, Mr. Steele. I like that. Phil Steele, Michael Regai, our producer, Jim Nabosna. We can get inside the press box as well, philsteele.com. We told you all last week about the confidence pool going on. You, you missed out on that. I hope you didn't miss out on that because we're having a lot of fun. But Phil has his matchups and breakdowns and checkmark advantages on each of the positional groups in every matchup this bowl season. Hey, Jim Nabosna at stillsweeklypreview.com. How are we still going to get involved? for the rest of bowl season here with that you go to steelsweeklypreview.com and when you subscribe to the postseason package which gives you all the bowl games and the nfl playoffs enter the promo code steal for ten dollars off the package and so that gives every bowl game. it's a total <laughs> price for 79 dollars and a steal 79 exactly. bucks, Santa Steel. Look at look at all the Christmas gifts you're giving out, Santa Steel. Yeah, and that takes you through the Super Bowl, Jim. Do you realize that when you're over there discounting these prices? All the way. I, I, I only do it for the strongest Steel listeners. Okay, fair enough. They're a special group. It is a special group, absolutely, and we're delighted you're with us today. We uh, we appreciate your listenership each and every week. It's been a fabulous football season on the college side, and we've got so oh, much more just, to go. Just to explain inside the press box a little bit here, it gives you my computer's projection on the game, complete computer stats. That gives you my projection on the game. Now, many times me and the computer agree. There are some times we disagree. And then, of course, as Michael pointed out, it gives you a complete checklist of each one. Uh, I, I put a check mark by uh, you know each unit all the way down. You compare them and then add up the total check mark. So it really does get you prepared for the rest of bowl season and the uh, NFL playoffs as well. You get four full weeks of that. Yeah, and listen, I tell you what. Uh, to me, Phil, uh, the uh, check mark advantages for each position group. Uh, nobody else gives you that. So this is why you know if you really want to be inside a bowl game and a breakdown in a matchup, you'll get check mark advantages from Phil on each and every position group. And that includes, you know, special teams as well, your punt and your kickoff coverage and how field goal kickers and punters will uh, approach a game as well. So uh, make sure you get involved. Again, steelsweeklypreview.com. And as Phil said, it goes right through the Super Bowl in early February of 2017. All right, let's keep moving. We've got to pick up the pace here on as strong as steel. Uh, we'll uh, Phil, let's go down to Charlotte. Uh, the Belk Bowl going on, and uh, that that should be interesting as Vatech and Arkansas get together. Uh, Vatech finishing the year as a team that was looked to be reckoned with. Arkansas had an up and down season, didn't they? Yeah, and if you're playing that as far as Arkansas win loss. Win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss. Guess what? It's time for a win because they're off a loss to Missouri in their last game. And uh, you know the thing I like about Arkansas is 
their head coach, Brett Bielema. He gets this team ready for the big games. You look at that, you know, nobody gave him a chance to beat Mississippi earlier this year. They knocked him off. Nobody really gave him a chance to beat Florida. They beat him 31-10. to 10. Uh, They've had some other games, like the TCU game in the second week of the season. Large underdog, pull off the win. He's used to pulling off big upsets. And Virginia Tech had an excellent game in their last outing. And it's it's a Virginia Tech team that's got weapons on offense. You look at them with Gerard Evans at QB hitting 63% a 27-7 ratio. You look at the defense, which is led by Bud Foster, that gambling, blitzing defense, which this year limited opponents to 66 yards below their season average. And this is a dangerous Virginia Tech team, one that almost knocked off Clemson, one that did knock off Notre Dame. They beat Miami of Florida. They thrashed North Carolina in the rain 34-3. to I understand why Virginia Tech is a touchdown favorite in this game, but I also understand Arkansas is the SEC dog. Bielema pulls upsets. They've got an offense that's been getting better in the second half of the season. In fact, their last two games, they had 661 and 503 yards offense. I like the way Austin Allen's throwing the ball, and they have talent on the defensive side of the ball. They haven't lived up to that talent this year, but given the large underdog role they're in here, I think Arkansas could potentially even pull the upset, so I'm taking uh, Arkansas on that one. Mm, we'll go against each other here as well. Uh, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech and more consistency of play for me for the Hokies this year. Let's stay with December 29th, Phil, as we move on here in our uh, bowl edition of Strong as Steel, uh, the Valermo Alamo Bowl down in San Antonio. Interesting here, Oklahoma State, uh, we know, got into Bedlam against Oklahoma with a chance to win the de facto Big 12. Didn't happen. And Colorado was sailing along, Phil, until they rolled uh, into that Pac-12 championship game, and they got rolled by the Washington Huskies. Can they bounce back in this one? I think they do. I believe Colorado's the uh, the more complete team here. They've got a a very uh, balanced offense. They average about 200 yards per game rush, about 250 yards per game pass. Defensively, they're good against the run. They give up just four yards a carry against some pretty good rush attacks. And uh, they also allow 48% completions. That's a secondary that has been playing in an elite level all season long, just giving up under 50%. You don't hear about that in college football anymore. Nobody allows under 50% completions, but they are this year. When I look at Oklahoma State, you know, they're a team that uh, did have some big games. That TCU game was probably their best game of the season. They went into TCU and won 31-6, to but they did get steamrolled by Oklahoma. And prior to that, they needed that uh, blocked extra point against Texas Tech. Uh, Kansas State, they overcame a two-touchdown deficit late to pull out a six-point win. West Virginia, they benefited from plus three in turnovers. Kansas was a game which was much closer than the final. Iowa State, they barely barely got past. They're giving up 4.8 yards per carry. They're giving up 61% completions. Their run game is not as strong as Colorado's. They do have dangerous receiver in James Washington. He's probably the best receiver out there on the field. But I think Colorado's the overall the better football team. Uh, Oklahoma State's got a special teams advantage. Colorado's played the tougher schedule, big secondary edge. I like Colorado to win this one in the Alamo Bowl, even though uh, the crowd could be pretty close. I think Oklahoma State might have a slight edge crowd-wise. I'm going to go with Colorado to win this one by about a touchdown. Phil, I want to get your thoughts on something. We're around, uh, I was around some NFL folks this week, and uh, Mason Rudolph, big, strong arm, 6'5", 235-pound Oklahoma State signal caller. If he comes out, which the NFL folks think he might, um, I'm getting the impression from them that they think that he's got a shot to uh, you know, be a mid-round draft selection that, that could uh, catch on and be a guy who uh, was a presence in the NFL. What do you think? Well, you you know, he's definitely going to test well at the Combine because of his size, because of his arm strength. Uh, right now, I wouldn't have Mason Rudolph up there in the first three or four rounds of the draft. I think he might be one of those uh, reaches at the end. Uh, you know, I'd like to see, I think if I'm recommending to Mason Rudolph what to do, I'm saying come back for your senior year and you might be able to elevate up there. I, I don't see him as a, a top three draft pick right now. Yeah, well, I probably yeah, I, more more fourth fifth round, but a guy with a chance okay. to uh, catch on. We'll we'll see though. We'll see. Uh, I agree with you, by the way. Uh, just some things I'd heard from NFL folks this week that Rudolph was starting to catch their eyes somewhat. Depends on whether he'll come out. Okay, that's the uh, the Oklahoma State Colorado story. Now on December the thirtieth, out in El Paso, Texas, we've had some tremendous Sun Bowl matchups 
and uh, game finishes and results down through the years. Phil, I think this one, I, you know, this is probably catching some people's attention now. It's North Carolina from the ACC and Stanford from the Pac-12. Interesting matchup made more interesting, wouldn't you say, by Mitch Trubisky now and the decision of Christian McCaffrey not to play in the Sun Bowl. Yeah, I think McCaffrey not going there is is big for the Sun Bowl. And, in fact, they really have themselves a marquee guy coming in there. I mean, McCaffrey against Trubisky, who is potentially the number one quarterback taken in the draft, you have to love that matchup. Now, North Carolina, uh, I, I give them the clear edge at quarterback with Trubisky. I mean, Keller Chris did get better as the season went on after taking over the job at midseason. He did have a 9-2 ratio. But, clearly, Trubisky is the guy that you want at quarterback. Running back-wise, North Carolina's got a couple of pretty good burning backs, Elijah Hood and T.J. Logan. But while McCaffrey won't be there, watch Bryce Love. Bryce Love is an electrifying running back. He's averaging 7.4 yards per carry, and I think he could be ready for a big game here. Receiver-wise, the two teams are fairly close. Uh, North Carolina's got Ryan Switzer and Bug Howard. Stanford's got Trent Irwin and Michael Rector. Uh, Defensively, edges go to Stanford across the board. Remember earlier this season, they got lit up by Washington Washington State for 44 and 42 points. They were missing their top two cornerbacks for those games. Those top two cornerbacks came back. Their defense played a lot better down the stretch. I give them the edge on the defensive line, linebacker, defensive backs. Matchups I like because I think Stanford likes to run the football. And if they do, I think they'll find success because North Carolina's run defense gives up 232 yards per game rush, 4.5 yards per carry. So I think the matchup sets well, as well as Stanford's solid pass defense. Stanford rates number 10 in my pass defense rankings despite those early season uh, mishaps when they didn't have their cornerbacks. That sets up well against Trubisky. Schedule goes to Stanford. They played the tougher schedule this year. Add it all up. I like the Cardinal, even without McCaffrey, to win this one by about a touchdown. Yeah, Phil, I'm with you. And you mentioned Larry Fedora's defense a while. If they could just find a way to get stops, get off the field, it hurt them big time in the second half of numerous football games this year. So that's the Stanford-North Carolina breakdown. All right, let's stay with December 30th and move on to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee, where the Horned Frogs of Texas Christian battle the Georgia Bulldogs from the SEC. And, Phil, I still find it amazing that other than the Alabama Crimson Tide, no SEC team won nine or more football games this regular season. That. That is something that uh, kind of makes you scratch your head, doesn't it, a little bit? Well, you know, it, it could speak also about the uh, the depth of the conference. I mean, you know, teams like Vanderbilt and South Carolina, which were, uh, you know, thought to be easy outs coming into the season, both played better than expected and pulled some upsets. Uh, so it, it it really tells you that the uh, the SEC was a, a deeper conference this year as far as uh, beating itself up during the season. Now, this one... You know, I had high expectations for TCU coming into the year. I thought they would have a much better season than they did. They had their high points, but they had a lot of low points throughout the year, including the way they finished. Now, they blasted Texas, but sandwiched around that was the loss to Oklahoma State, and then just a lack of effort against Kansas State. They've got the edge coaching-wise because Gary Patterson, 9-5 and five in bowl games, Kirby Smart now coaching as a head coach for the first time. Uh, quarterback-wise, it's pretty close. Kenny Hill is a guy that can thrill you, hence the nickname Kenny Thrill Hill, but uh, he's also a guy that can throw the interceptions and cost you with those 13 interceptions this year. Running back-wise, I think you'll see Chubb and Michelle be uh, two of the better, uh, you know, fully healthy and give them the edge at the running back spot. Linebackers, I give the edge at Georgia. Uh, these two teams fairly close. TCU's got the special teams edge, but just something about the vibe coming in. I think Georgia's more got an up arrow vibe. Pretty sure to beat Georgia Tech in that season final. That was a tough loss, a game they had wrapped up. That would have given them four in a row. I'm going to go with Georgia to escape with the win here in the Liberty Bowl, and the game's pick them. So uh, I, I'm going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs. Shouldn't miss this one then, should we, if it's pick them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> should be able to pick a winner, right? I'm with you. I'm going to go with Georgia, with Georgia and the SEC. So Phil and I are together on that. All right, we've got, uh, and again, we're, we're taking you through. We've got five more games to look at uh, from December 30th, December 31st, and January 2nd until we get into the New Year's Six, which, of course, encompasses the college football playoff. And if you want to uh, chime in and uh, get Phil's thoughts, uh, let's say from this point on, you know, if you got something on a New Year's Six game 
that uh, you want to get our assessments and breakdowns on, you can do it, 646-668-2248. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. We're strong as steel and wishing all of you a, a very happy holiday season as well as a terrific college football bowl season. Phil, with that, let's uh, let's head out. Uh, let's head into uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Music City Bowl. Now, Phil, this is uh, SEC again versus Big Ten, so we're always intrigued by that. But both Tennessee and Nebraska, Phil, at one time or other, Tennessee early, Nebraska even into November, were top ten squads in college football this year. But both of them, I think, unfulfilled right now. How do you see the Tennessee and Nebraska SEC versus Big Ten matchup? Well, I think it's a, probably an important game for both. Now, uh, Mike Riley, the head coach in Nebraska, how about 7-2 and two in bowl games? That's quite a record. But, of course, yep. uh, when you look at Tennessee, uh, their head coach, Butch Jones, is a guy that uh, also had some recent success, two big blowout wins in their last two bowl games. And with Tennessee, I'm going to give them the edge offensively. Uh, Joshua Dobbs is should be 100% healthy here. He has a 26-15 ratio on the year. Tommy Armstrong don't know if he'll be 100% healthy for this one. So that's a little bit of a question mark. 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Both are mobile quarterbacks, but I give the edge of mobility and in passing to Joshua Dobbs. Running back-wise, two teams are somewhat close. Alvin Kamara of Tennessee and uh, John Kelly of Tennessee, uh, both there since uh, Jalen Hurd opted to stop uh, playing. But uh, I think when you look at the the Nebraska's got good running backs with Newby and Zigbo as well. Receiving core, Westerkamp's going to be out for Nebraska, so that's big. I give the edge at the receiving core to Tennessee. Uh, linebackers and defensive backs got to give the edge to Nebraska, just the way Tennessee's defense played down the stretch. I know they were all beat up. That had a lot to do with it. But this team, their last three games, gave up 635, 740, and 608 yards. And those two, that was the Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt, hardly three juggernauts offensively. They need to get healthier for this game if they're going to even be in it because if the defense plays like that, they have no chance. Now, I think their defense will be healthier for this one. The site will be a little bit of an advantage. And Tennessee has a large special teams edge. My number 22-rated special teams versus my number 108-rated special teams. I just think Tennessee's the better team this year, even with all the injuries they have. Uh, I'd like Tennessee to get this one uh, in Nashville. I agree with you. I think it's important for Butch Jones. It's important for Mike Riley too. But uh, wow, I mean, you know, we this this is definitely one that uh, that Butch Jones needs, given uh, the high expectations this year. All right, Phil. Let's move on uh, from that. We're we're closing in on the the New Year's Six, but let's uh, head from Nashville out to the Arizona Bowl in Tucson. South Alabama against that uh, that triple option of Air Force, and my Air Force had a tremendous year in terms of uh, being potent offensively, Phil. Yeah, and we broke this one down a little bit earlier in the podcast with a uh, Twitter question, and uh, Air Force, clearly the superior team, love the way South Alabama plays as an underdog, and uh, I like Air Force to win the game, but only by about a touchdown. I think South Alabama makes it closer than expected. Was I asleep at the switch, or was that during our, our technical It was change? during your little technical difficulty thing that you were having there. So uh, we were just ripping them out there, Michael. You might have missed that one. Yeah, well, I was. I, I think now that you mentioned it, I uh, and big kudos to uh, uh, one of our tremendous uh, Phil Steele employees, Todd. Todd is our technical expert here, so he made sure that uh, everything was was smooth for us uh, during Strong as Steel. So I don't think then that we've uh, we've hit the uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl, have we? Uh, that in Orlando, of course. On, that'll be played on uh, New Year's Eve day. As uh, this would too now, Phil, because of Leonard Fournette, like Christian McCaffrey, deciding uh, for NFL preparation reasons, draft reasons, not to play in the bowl game. LSU and Louisville. Uh, with uh, yeah, does this take some of the luster off this matchup for you, Phil? Not for me. No, I I think when you look at LSU, uh, they've got a very capable replacement uh, for Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis. In fact, Geis this year averaged eight yards a carry. He's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. He's an excellent pass blocker. Uh, I think Geis will step in just fine for Leonard Fournette, and uh, it might even fire up LSU a little bit. All the talk for 
the last three years have been about Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette. Maybe this LSU team wants to prove that they're more than just Leonard Fournette. And plus they're taking on the guy that won the Heisman Trophy and Lamar Jackson. Now we saw Lamar against Houston, a team that had a dominating defensive lineman in Ed Oliver. And Ed Oliver just blew up uh, Louisville's offensive line. And really, they only have 10 points in the game and, and were completely throttled in the first half. They were down 31 nothing at the half with 138 total yards. Well, guess what? LSU's defensive line has got a lot of those Ed Olivers out there. It's got one of the, the best defensive front sevens in football. Now, they're missing their outstanding linebacker, Kendall Beckwith. He won't be there for the game. And they're missing Leonard Fournette. But I like the replacements. I like the overall talent. LSU's defense... Uh, I think they have the second-best defense in the country this year. They're holding opponents to 136 yards below their season average. Offensively, they want to run the ball to be successful. I think they'll have some of that success. And I also think that uh, you'll see Ethling have a, a decent game throwing it. So while their offense isn't going to exactly light it up, I think their defense controls this one. I like LSU to win this one by more than the field goal out there. And I think the fact that Fournette's not playing will give them a little extra chip on their shoulder. I agree with you. I like LSU as well, and uh, I, I like your call on uh, on Geis. I think he's a quality, quality back, and I'm not sure that uh, that LSU misses a whole lot when uh, when Geis is played up to his capabilities. Strongest steel rolling on for you. We're covering 21 more in our second uh, bowl season edition here on the show. We did uh, 21 last week, and we're closing in on our New Year's Six, the orange, the rolls, the sugar, and the cotton, in addition to the peach and the fiesta. The peach and the fiesta, of course, are the college football playoff semifinals, peach out of Atlanta and fiesta out of Phoenix. And don't forget, once again, now you can get inside the press box and at steelsweeklypreview.com and get all these matchups assessed, the breakdown with checkmark advantages by position group. Phil goes to great length and great detail in providing you with every bit of information you need on every Young man that will step on the football field in these bowl games. Uh, the checklist page is one you can't miss. And, again, if you're a strong as steel listener and you add in uh, the, uh, the password steel, you get 10 bucks off, and it takes you right through the Super Bowl. And with that in mind, let's uh, swing it back to our very esteemed producer, Jim Nabosna. Jimmy, you got a couple more from uh, all of our uh, tremendous followers at social media on Twitter. Give us a couple more that uh, we need to assess here in bowl season, Jim. Maddie from Carolina. He's a big Kentucky fan and says Kentucky has had a great year thus far, and now they get a while to prepare for that G-Tech option. I see Kentucky taking home a nice, bold W. Do you agree? You know, I do agree, Matty. And, and let me break this one down uh, in depth. I think when you take a look at the two teams, Georgia Tech, of course, runs the triple option. If you run the triple option, you're going to have one of the best rush offenses in college football, and that they have. 254 yards per game, 5.5 yards per carry, and a lot of that is a product of the system they run. Now, when you look at Kentucky, they do not run the triple option, but what they do have is talent. They've got Stanley Williams and Benny Snell, two of the best running backs in the country, both topped 1,000 yards this year. Their numbers are actually strikingly similar on the ground, 244 yards per game, 5.6 yards per carry. But as you correctly t touched on in your tweet, uh, with extra time to prepare for the option, you can slow it down. And in fact, let's look at Georgia Tech's final three games of the season. They were actually out first down in the final three games, 72 to 38. That's right, they had 38 first downs. How many games did they win? They won all three. So this is a team that I think did a little bit with smoke and mirrors this year. They're not as good as the record would indicate. A lot of the games they won, including the opener against Boston College, probably weren't as good as the final score and got outplayed for a good portion of the game. Meanwhile, Kentucky started out the season slow. They lost to Southern Miss, lost to Florida. You're thinking, well, Stoops is gone. There's no way they make a bowl. They won seven of their last ten games with that run game. Uh, I think that with the extra time to prepare for the option, that's a nice edge to have. Kentucky's the stronger team. I like Kentucky to pull the upset here. Jim, are you there? I am here. Next one, we have Kyle McCormick, who says Dalvin Cook 
He sees Dalvin Cook being able to put a dent into this Michigan defense. He thinks Dalvin Cook's going to have to put up 100 yards to win this game. Do you agree with that? And who do you think brings home the W? Uh, I think that might very well be the case. I think Delvin Cook probably does have to get to 100 yards, and it's going to be tough to do against a Michigan defense because Michigan's got one of the best defensive front sevens in college football. This year they're giving up just 117 yards per game, 3.1 yards per carry. Now Florida State came into the year a very talented team, young, and uh, took some lumps early. The Louisville game was an embarrassment. But then their other two losses, North Carolina got that late field goal to beat them, and Clemson, a game they could very easily have won. Other than that, they played well. Their defense played a lot better down the stretch, gave up under 200 yards per game their final three games, although they took on three-week offenses in the stretch. But there's no doubt talent-wise, I think if you line up these two teams, they're basically even. Florida State, I think, has got a slight advantage at quarterback and the advantage with uh, Cook at running back. I give Michigan a slight edge on the offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, and in the secondary where they have my number four pass defense versus the number 28. Also, Michigan rates the edge on special teams, number eight against number 55, but Florida State's a large dog. They're 2-0 and as a dog this year, and they also rate the edge schedule-wise. They played the tougher schedule. Florida State's played my number six schedule this year. Uh, Michigan only played the number 51. When I add up the check marks, and that's in the inside the press box, I've got the game even. So it's one of those where Florida State's getting a full touchdown in this game. I think they'll be highly motivated, as will Michigan. I believe it's one of those coin flip teams. So I like the underdog in this one with Florida State. And I think you're hit it right on the head. If Delvin Cook gains 100 yards running against that Michigan defense, which, by the way, during the season held their opponents under 100 yards rushing eight of the 12 games, uh, if he does, then I think Florida State could win outright. So, Phil, just, you've got Florida State plus the number, but you're also taking them outright to win it. Uh, I'm saying there's a good chance of that, yes, definitely. I've, I've got the game of pure yeah. toss-up okay. right now, Michael, and I'm, I'm going to lean that way. Okay. Well, I'm going with Michigan, and I, I'll tell you why. Some of the things that, that you mentioned, I, I think that Florida State is going to meet some – not that they're not a better, but – Remember what happened in the, this uh, the, the bowl game last year, Florida and Michigan? I mean, it was a complete domination and one-sided as uh, Harbaugh had his squad really ready to go. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that Florida State is not a superior offensive football team to Florida, and I'm not expecting that kind of 30-point uh, win. But uh, I do think the way that things ended up in Columbus, that this is one that – Jim Harbaugh and all those seniors of his are going to go out on a strong note. So I like Michigan in this one to uh, get another check mark in the Big Ten side of things and, and beat Florida State. Phil, I will say, too, I don't know how you feel, though. For me, Florida State, because I think we both picked them to win. I did to win the national championship this year. And I understand some of the things that you said, but overall, for me, my most disappointing football team of the 2016 season, and yes, probably because I picked them to win it all. Yeah, they they definitely were disappointing. I had higher expectations. I know I talked to Coach uh, Jimbo Fisher after I put out the magazine, and and when I was talking to him as we went through each position, he kept saying, boy, are we going to be good next year. Boy, are we going to be good next year. I'm like, I hope I didn't pick them a year early in the magazine. As it turns out, I did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's the thing. When they were talking about the LSU job, I'm like, I don't think so. Not with what he's got coming back next year. I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, real good point. So, no, Jimbo Fisher's entrenched in Tallahassee, no doubt about it. Jim Nabosna, do, did we get a, a tweet to finish it out on the Twitter side uh, about the Outback Bowl in Tampa? Yes, we did. We got one from Timothy Lex. He said Florida versus Iowa is going to be a defensive battle. Which offense has the better chance to put up points? Uh, that's a great question. I think I'm going to give the edge uh, to Florida. I think both teams have an outstanding defense, but I'm going to have a slight edge on the defensive side to Florida. I think you give them a slight edge defensive line linebacker. And in the secondary, they have my number three unit uh, pass defense versus uh, Iowa's number 22. Now, down the stretch, Iowa was a completely different team. Uh, you look at them early in the year when they had some of their struggles, like against Wisconsin and Penn State, but then they beat Michigan and just thrashed Nebraska. Their offense started playing a lot better. C.J. Beathard started living up to his potential. He had a 17-7 ratio this year. And LaShawn Daniels and Akram Wadley, uh, the two of them, 
each will at the end of the season have topped a thousand yards. Wadley only needs 34 here to get there. So their offensive line and running game started playing a lot better down the stretch. So I'm going to give the edge offensively to Iowa, slight edge defensively to Florida. You wonder about special teams? Yep, they're basically even for this game, 18 versus 24, not much of an edge there. Florida's played the slightly tougher schedule. Meanwhile, for uh, Iowa, their coach, uh, you know, the thing that uh, Kirk Ferentz has said this year is that it's important for them to win this bowl. And a lot of times coaches don't come out and say that, but he said the seniors uh, of this Iowa team have never won a bowl game, and he feels that's important for them to do. So I think that this game is one of those toss-up games. Iowa's uh, a field goal underdog, so I'm going to take the points. I think it'll be a low-scoring defensive struggle. I'm going to take the points with Iowa, and uh, maybe Coach Ferentz gets those seniors that that win he's try- shooting for here. Yeah, it'd be nice, Phil. I'm with you. You know, I'm a Big Ten guy. I, uh, I uh, very readily admit that. But you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to go with Florida in this. Uh, I, I almost hope that uh, it doesn't come out that way. But uh, I got a feeling defensively Florida might be a little bit more than I was going to be able to handle. All right, we're down to the New Year's Six. Now, we've already touched on the Orange Bowl and the Rose Bowl. Uh, Michigan, Florida State in the orange, and Penn State, USC in the rose. So we'll get to two more there. Before we do that, uh, let's head out to the great state of Oregon. And here's our buddy Tyler. We say happy holidays to Tyler. He's He's got some thoughts that he wants to impart with Phil and I. Happy holidays, Tyler. How are you, man? Uh, same to you guys. Well, I'm convinced that uh, people, when there's winter weather out here, drive like Ohio State fans after a loss on a call-in show. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, Phil, thanks for another great year. It's doing what you do is like, oh, it's hard to project college football. So I am curious, after this year, what were your biggest surprise turnaround teams, both on the positive side and the negative side? Well, I think the the team that had the biggest uh, upgrade this year was definitely Colorado. And Colorado's a team which I was going to put on my most improved list clearly at the start of the year. I was talking to Coach McIntyre uh, during the spring, and uh, he had thought that they were going to land the uh, the Texas Tech transfer uh, at quarterback this year uh, in Davis Webb. And then he had said that Sifo Lufau might not even be able to come back 100% healthy. Then when Webb left to go to Cal or opted not to sign a Colorado, opted to sign at California, I dropped them off that most improved list, unfortunately, because they were indeed the most improved team in college football, had a fantastic season. Disappointing-wise, I'd have to throw Notre Dame up there. I mean, when you look at Notre Dame, they're a team that came in uh, in the top ten of the AP poll, and who would have ever thought Notre Dame would have the type of season they did? I mean, just four wins, eight losses, Almost unthinkable for a Brian Kelly team, especially with Kaiser and Zaire available at QB uh, with the running backs they had. And granted, a lot of their losses were close. Three points to Texas, uh, close loss to Michigan State, three points to Duke, seven to NC State in a hurricane, seven to Stanford, one to Navy, three to Virginia Tech. So they played everybody close, had a lot of close losses. But I think if you're a Notre Dame fan, and I gave you an over-under at five at the start of the year. You probably wouldn't have a house right now. Appreciate the uh, call, as always, Tyler. Yeah, Tyler, good stuff. We appreciate it. Phil, I'm going to move real quick for me. I'm going to stay right in the Big Ten with both. Disappointing side, Mark D'Antonio and the Michigan State Spartans. I mean, they've they've gone from having won 11-plus football games for uh, four of the last five years, college football playoff, three and nine and uh, and absolutely just uh, came apart at the seams after they started 2 and 0 so big big disappointment many thought Michigan State is another 10 plus win team this year and on the positive side Phil you know I I got a James Franklin and Penn State I mean listen you know after uh, they lose to Pitt and then just got absolutely bludgeoned and destroyed by Michigan outgained almost 600 yards to 200 in a 39 point loss they came back and uh, and ran the table following that. So, you know, a big turnaround on the positive side, and James Franklin did a tremendous job in getting the squad picked up. And, Tyler, yes, thank you for uh, your thoughts out in Oregon. We appreciate you always as a strong as steel listener. All right, Phil, let's get into the two New Year's six, okay, that we, we haven't. Again, we've covered the orange and rose. Let's go down to New Orleans, the Sugar Bowl. 
Is anybody playing better at the end of the year? A lot of would say the Oklahoma Sooners, you better put them in that category. And they face that War Eagle from Auburn, of course, who, uh, you know, uh, can't get by uh, Alabama, but that's, you know, a lot of teams are in there. Uh, Oklahoma, do you have them as one of your teams are playing as well as, say, as any in the, uh, uh, say, top five in college football coming into this Sugar Bowl? Yeah, as far as current form, I would say top five. I wouldn't put them up there with what uh, USC and Penn State have been playing down the stretch, but clearly playing well. I remember, Michael, back when Oklahoma lost to Ohio State, they brought up on the show, I said at that point, I think at the end of the year, Oklahoma is going to be 10 and 2 in Big 12 champs, and that they were uh, running the table in the Big 12 this season. Now, uh, P. Ryan and Mixon in the backfield, a potent combo, Baker Mayfield, the QB, and then the best wide receiver in the country in D.D. Westbrook. This is a very talented Oklahoma team, especially on the offense. And while their defense gave up 440 yards per game this year, they actually held opponents to 25 yards below their season average. I mean, they took on the offenses of Houston, Ohio State, TCU, uh, Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State took on some pretty potent offenses, and that's the reason they've given up a lot of yards playing in the high-flying Big 12. But when I look at Auburn, I see a team that at the middle of the year, Michael, they were playing among the best in the country. I mean, they had just demolished Arkansas 56-3, whipped Mississippi 40-29. They were just destroying teams with a potent offense, a great ground game with Cameron Petway running it, and then Sean White had really come into his own at QB. And defensively, they've got one of the best defensive lines in college football, led by Carl Lawson. So uh, they're a very talented team. But then Petway got injured, White got injured, and they uh, struggled down the stretch. They barely got past Vanderbilt, lost to Georgia, as you touched on with the Alabama game, just seven first downs there. But White's healthy, Petway's healthy. I think that offense will be back to its explosive part that it was in the middle of the year. And I clearly give them the defensive advantage here, a large edge on the defensive line. Secondary, they have my number 20 rated pass defense versus number 44. Linebackers, they have the edge. I think the site favors them a little bit. They'll have a crowd that'll be there. Uh, the matchups are good because they're at their best when they can run the ball. And Oklahoma gives up 4.6 yards per carry. So uh, add it all up. I think that with the tougher schedule they played, I'm going to call for Auburn to pull the upset in this one. Look at Phil Steele going against uh, Bob Stoops in Oklahoma. Coming, I'm going to take Oklahoma, buddy, so you and I can have that Christmas eggnog on this one, and uh, we'll see how it shakes out. All right, the last of the uh, the non-college football playoff New Year's Six, the Cotton Bowl. And this is the one that uh, I think, wow, how is Western Michigan from the MAC going to go in perfect 13-0? How's P.J. Fleck going to deal with that constant defense that we know has been uh, as strong as as any during most points of this 2016 season? Western Michigan and Wisconsin, Phil, and how about the MAC in a New Year's Six here this season? Yeah, and I had Western up there as one of my uh, preseason favorites to be win this group of five bid, and uh, they did run the table just as I thought they would this year. And I've got, uh, how about that backfield with uh, Jervy and Franklin and uh, uh, Bogan at running back? Zach Terrell had one interception all year. That was prior to the MAC championship game when he tossed two, but even throwing two there, he's up to three interceptions on the year. Don't expect a lot of interceptions from Wisconsin in this game. And they got one of the better receivers in the country in Corey Davis. Now, if you look at these two teams statistically, I mean, Western outgained their foes by 144 yards per game. Wisconsin only by 81 yards per game. Uh, You know, you look at them offensively, Western averaged 5.1 yards per carry. Wisconsin 4.3. Completion percentage, 71% for Western, 61 for Wisconsin. I can make a great case for Western Michigan statistically. And the last two group of five champs, have actually won their bowl game. Houston, of course, knocked off Florida State last year. Boise State knocked off Arizona because they're sky high for this game. Meanwhile, the group of five team generally is not. I think Wisconsin would be a different animal, despite the fact they were thinking national title Rose Bowl. I don't think they're all that disappointed to be in the Cotton Bowl. The expectations were not high coming into the season. They've got their run game going finally. Paul Christ is a guy who, uh, you know, when he took over last year, I was stunned at the rushing numbers. Wisconsin last year averaged 150 yards per game rush, 3.8 yards per carry. And if you look at them in the first half of this year, the numbers were similar throughout the first seven games. But the last five games, 
Now they're averaging about 250 yards per game rush. They're averaging that five yards per carry. So it's the old Wisconsin run game, and I think they will have success here. Western Michigan's rush defense giving up 4.7 yards per carry. In fact, in MAC play, how about 5.3 yards per carry? And, uh, you know, Hornerbrook and Houston, the two QBs split in time, neither's overwhelming, but the key is they don't make a lot of mistakes, and I think that's a big plus here. And then that Wisconsin defense holding opponents to 95 yards below the season average. The biggest factor here is the schedule strength. Those numbers Western Michigan had were against my number 117 schedule. Meanwhile, Wisconsin's numbers were against the number 19 schedule in the country. They've taken on LSU, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. You can't get a much tougher schedule. So if Wisconsin comes to play, which I think they will, I do believe they win this one by double digits, Michael. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I just hope it doesn't get out of hand, Phil. And, and maybe with the style that Wisconsin plays, it won't. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be very difficult to uh, keep up Western Michigan's type of offensive numbers against this defense. All right, strong as steel, the time you've been waiting for during the holiday bowl season. Here we go for the next few minutes, our college football playoff assessment. You know the matchups, Peach Bowl, Atlanta, Alabama, the top team in the nation and undefeated against Washington. And then the Fiesta in uh, Glendale, Arizona with Clemson and Ohio State. Phil, let's start with Alabama and Washington. Chris Peterson, we know he did big things at Boise in situations like this. Can he duplicate this with his Washington Huskies in trying to knock off Alabama? Well, I think it's different than Boise because when Boise knocks off Oklahoma, it may be a little bit of Oklahoma, maybe not giving Boise the full force of interest. But Alabama or Washington has Alabama's full attention here, so there's no sneaking up on anybody doing it with smoke and mirrors. However, here's a case I can make for Washington making a game of this. Look at the first quarter of that Alabama-Florida game. Florida took their opening drive right down, got a touchdown. They're up 7 nothing. Alabama had zero first downs. They had minus seven yards, yet because of Florida mistakes, and let's face it, Florida's offense is not very good. Florida's offensive mistakes, special teams mistakes. Bama actually led 16 to nine with zero zero first downs and minus seven yards. And then from the from there, Alabama took over in the second half. Now Washington's offense doesn't make those kind of mistakes. Jake Browning only seven interceptions on the year. They also have weapons on offense, something Florida doesn't have. They've got Miles Gaskins and Levon Coleman at running back. They've got John Ross and Dante Pettis. A couple of guys that can get deep. And Bama has been beaten deep at times this year. You go back to the old Miss game. You go back to the Arkansas game. There's two games where they gave up actually over 400 yards passing. So I can make a case for a puncher's chance there. And then defensively, Washington's got a pretty good defense. Remember the Florida defense that Alabama steamrolled the the, uh, SEC title game was one that was missing seven starters. Washington is missing two starters, but uh, overall you look at how they played against Colorado, just gave up 163 yards. Now, I made a case saying that Washington can keep this one closer. Everybody's expecting an Alabama blowout. I like Alabama to win the game, but I'm only going to say Alabama by 7-10. to 10. I like Washington plus the points, getting over two touchdowns in that one, and uh, I think they're going to make a, make a good game of this one. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Chris Peterson factor I think will come into play real quickly. Let's go to Texas. Here's Mace with a some thoughts about a question for Phil about the Alabama defense. Mace, you're on strong as steel. Go ahead, man. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. This Alabama defense in 13 games has given up less than three yards per carry in 12 of those 13 games. I have three questions for you, Phil. Number one, is this Alabama defense the best defense that college football has ever seen? Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. I thought their defense uh, back in uh, a couple years ago was one of the best I had seen. Uh, You look at that uh, one year that they uh, allowed Georgia Southern 341 yards, but other than that, even including that, 184 yards per game on the year, I thought that was a dominating defense back in, uh, I think it was 2011. So that compared to the 2011 defense. Okay, well, I respect that, definitely. Uh, Second question. Uh, if they beat Washington, and I think they will, uh, where do you put the point spread on Ohio State or Clemson, both of those point spreads? Uh, I'd actually put it uh, reasonable. I think, you know, when you look at Ohio State, you get point to the fact that Urban Myers had success against Nick Saban. I think that Alabama would be a 7-10 to 10 point favorite against Ohio State, and I think they'd be a 7-point favorite against Clemson. And once again, all you have to do for that is go back to last year's national championship game, a game Alabama won by five, 
And Clemson actually has more coming back this year than Alabama does from that team. So I think it would, both games would be reasonable, but it, in each case, I believe Alabama would be at least a touchdown favorite. Mace, we appreciate the call. Happy holidays to you and yours. We're going to have to uh, move on right there. Uh, Phil, we've got to get to, as we said, uh, on Glendale, Arizona, the Fiesta Bowl. You just mentioned it with regard to potential lines in a championship game. Let's break down Clemson and Ohio State, the two one-loss squads right behind Alabama and in front of Washington in the college football playoff. And I, I find it tough to go against either of these two teams here. Uh, I mean, because when you look at Clemson, they were, remember they came into last year's playoffs, uh, Michael, as the underdog against Oklahoma. Yep. And while they were down in the second quarter and it didn't look good, at the end of the game they're walking off the field with a large victory over Oklahoma, 37-17. to And then the national title game, you don't think they have a chance? No, they only lose by five. Did get a late touchdown, but if you watch that game, they led a good portion of it. So they, I thought they played an excellent game there. Uh, they've got Deshaun Watson back. They've now got back Mike Williams, who is their top wide receiver heading into last year, got injured in the opener, and he's lived up to that. He's got over 1,000 yards receiving, 10 touchdowns this year. Defensively, they've given up some yards, which is surprising because when you look at the overall talent that Clemson has on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they're deep at every position. So I'm a little surprised their, their defense has given up what they have this year. But uh, And then you look at Ohio State. Ohio State's got one of the best secondaries in the country. They've got an offense that's struggled at times. Uh, with J.T. Barrett throwing the football. But I think if Barrett's on for this game, then they're going to put some points on the board as well. Mike Weber, Curtis Samuel at the running back spot, they need some receivers to emerge. Defensively, I give them the edge. Clemson, I give the edge offensively too. Special teams, I actually give the edge to Ohio State, though. They're my number 28-rated special teams against number 52. They've also played the tougher schedule. Uh, I rate them number 15 as far as schedule goes. Clemson, number 37. These two teams are very close, right down to the wire. I'd find it very tough going against Clemson. I've got Ohio State winning, but I'm going to say Ohio State by three, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if if Clemson uh, ended up winning this. So it's tougher for me to call. The thing I like here, Michael, I like the over. I like over 59. I think when you take a look at the weapons they have on offense and the fact Clemson's given up some points, I think Clemson can score on anybody, as they've proven all season long, but I think their defense can be beat. So I'm going to go with over as my favorite play there. Yep. I, hey, listen, I'm with you, man. I'm glad you addressed that right there at the end because I, I this game's going to be in the 30s, if not in the 40s, wouldn't you think? Maybe the winner uh, breaks the 40-point barrier, but uh, I think there's going to have to be a lot of offensive ineptitude as in turnovers for this game to stay in the 20s on either side, Phil, don't you? Yeah, I, I think when you look at the – and, you know, just go over Clemson's uh, season so far. Uh, you know, and you look over their last uh, five games, their lowest point total in any of those games was 35. So they can put some points on the board. And, you know, same thing with Ohio State. If it doesn't turn out to be a game like Michigan, which was, it wasn't 57 right. in the Michigan game because it went to overtime and there was some points scored there. But still, uh, you know, I, I think that Michigan is more of a, an under team than Clemson is. Clemson, to me, is an over team, and I think Ohio State, young offense will get better as the, uh, as, you know, with the extra bowl practices. Yeah, well, I, I think that's a hope for all Ohio State fans. There's no question about that because you're gonna, as we've said, you're gonna have to put up, you're gonna have to put up 30 points or more to beat Clemson. Uh, there's no two ways about that. And can J.T. Barrett in this time that you've said with these uh, these bowl practices get this pass game rejuvenated? Because Phil, I mean, against Michigan, it was paltry, and it's going to have to take a large, large step forward. Uh, and, and and we would assume that it will against a Clemson defense that has been vulnerable there. But uh, going to be very, very intriguing. Uh, so that gets us through our New Year's Six and college football playoff. And, and Phil, we'll, uh, we'll tell all of our Strong as Steel listeners, keep an eye on Twitter, keep an eye on Facebook, because after these games uh, are played, We'll let you know what our plans are as we get forward with that first week in January and maybe leading up to the uh, the championship game of the college football playoff. That sound like a winner, Phil? That sounds good to me, Michael. And uh, I'd like to take a quick moment to uh, wish you and then all of the uh, listeners of the podcast a very happy holiday season here. And uh, 
and hopefully uh, everybody has a very happy and safe New Year as well. Enjoy all these bowl games that are out there, and it's a, it's the a most wonderful time of the year, huh, Michael? Yeah, there's no question about that. Somebody said that once upon a time, Phil. I think it was even a song. It's the most wonderful <laughs> time. <You've> been... <laughs> yes. We, for us, it's college football playoffs. Hey, to you and uh, your lovely family, have a beautiful Christmas season. And uh, you and I will be talking, but uh, I hope it's a safe and healthy one for you and the family. Jim Nabosna, same with you, my friend. Thank you for uh, for all you do, our wonderful producer on the show. You are our strongest steel listeners, though. You guys are the real lifeblood of everything. You've been phenomenal all year long. And, again, stay tuned because we're going to be able to uh, give you some thoughts after the first of the year about uh, uh, how we're going to proceed and where we're going to go. So we hope, as Phil said, you have a fabulous holiday season. Merry Christmas and, and a very happy new year. And enjoy the bowl season, everybody, to the utmost. So for Phil Steele and for Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regai. Thanks for listening to Strong as Steel, everybody. Happy holidays, and we'll see you after the first of the year. So long.